Hello and welcome to Medium Energy, where we explore technology, being human, and how to find the right balance between the two. I'm your host, Evan Helda, and I'm here to learn with you about tools like spatial computing, blockchain, and artificial intelligence, and how they're all converging to reshape our world. If you want to take full advantage of these tools while staying grounded in the real world, you've come to the right place. For deeper dives into all these topics and more, please check out our newsletter over at mediumenergy.io. We'd love to have you as part of our growing community of thinkers, creators, and doers. All right. I'm going to try something new today. A little bedtime story style audio recording of my top essays. I've been getting some feedback from people. They like the content, but they don't have time to read. They're on the go. They're busy. I get it. I'm the same way. So here I am obliging, creating an audio version. Let's see how this goes. Okay, this first one's going to be about the Apple Vision Pro. It's my series. Definitely my most popular essays that I've had so far. It's a two-part series about the Apple Vision Pro called The Fate of Apple's Vision Pro, The Past present and future of human-computer interaction. Here we go. Today was the big day. The fateful day our tired and battle-worn industry has waited for, for a long, long time. So many troughs of disillusionment, so many clunky demos, and so many shattered startup dreams. We all sat bated breath, leaned forward with anticipation. The backdrop was out of a movie. Dozens of industry experts, leaders, investors, and entrepreneurs sprawled across rows of couches on the beachside deck of a Malibu mansion. To our right, waves crashed rhythmically, bringing sea foam right up to our feet. To our left, a sprawling spread of breakfast delicacies and, of course, champagne, copious amounts of champagne. The extent to which it would be popped and consumed remained TBD. Directly ahead was a massive flat-screen TV unfolding what we all hoped would be our industry's big bang. And then the moment finally arrived. Apple CEO Tim Cook reappeared and said those historic words. But wait, there's just one more thing. Our small crowd erupted with hoots, hollers, and applause. My skin erupted with goosebumps. As the Apple Vision Pro faded onto the screen, it felt like a dream. And for a split second, I did dream, flashing back to another fateful day five years prior. The Office of the Future, Spring. 2018. Today was the big day. The fateful day our augmented reality startup, Meta, the original Meta, pre-Facebook, would finally fulfill the promise our CEO had made to the world, to throw away our computer monitors and replace them with a more natural human-computer interface, an AR headset that would blend the physical world with the digital. We called it spatial computing. Our CEO made this promise on the grand stage of his TED. In about a month, Bloomberg was set to visit our office. Their tech reporters wanted to see this bold exclamation for themselves and write an article on the outcome. We were being held accountable. The boats were burned and there's nowhere to hide. Today was the dress rehearsal for that Bloomberg visit. All 100 employees would finally taste the fruits of our labor, three years of blood, sweat, and tears towards building a fully vertical AR stack, our own display system, our own sensor array for positional tracking. Our own SLAM algorithms, our own hand tracking algorithms, our own SDK or software development kit, and most importantly, our own spatial operating system. This was no ordinary OS. It was meant to be the OS of the mind, one that would conform to how our brains have naturally evolved, guided by what we called the principles of spatial design. 
If you watch the Vision Pro announcement, sound familiar? It's no coincidence, Apple seriously considered buying Meta back in 2017. Our spatial design principles and vision for a spatial OS were a big reason why. Oh, what could have been. We would place virtual monitors all around us at limitless scale. We would free 3D models from the confines of 2D screens, visualizing and interacting with them as they were always intended, spatially. Gone were the days of the mouse and keyboard. Thanks to computer vision, we would use our hands to more naturally and directly interact with the digital world, just as we do the physical. The same computer vision tech would turn the world into our desktop background, understanding the environment and anchoring actualized figments of imagination all around us. Meta, the OG Meta, was going to build the true iteration of Steve Jobs' bicycle of the mind, a computer that grandma or a child could pick up and intuitively know how to use with zero learning curve. Oh, how beautiful the vision was, but oh, how naive we were. The Revenge of the Meta 2 the office that day of the Bloomberg rehearsal was buzzing with anticipation. For the first time, we each received our own headset. The packaging was a work of art, a beautiful piece of engineering and design, accompanied by a thoughtful developer guide and a document outlining our spatial design principles. The first step, plugging the tethered device into a computer and then into the wall for power. Yes, the sequencing mattered. It was a collective stumble right out of the gates. Our computers all failed to recognize the device. For the next hour, we twiddled our thumbs as the engineers scrambled to fix a bug and redistribute the SDK. Hot start. Once the spatial OS finally launched, the user was tasked with calibrating the sensors and mapping the real world. A graphical UI instructed you to look up, look down, look left, and then look right. The next five to 10 minutes was a comical display of 100 plus people in a state of manic indecision stuck between vigorous yeses and nos, shaking our heads this way and that, waiting, hoping, yearning for the cameras and the headset to lock on to our physical surroundings. Some devices registered the real world within a few minutes. Other poor souls were left doing neck exercises for the next five to 10 minutes. If you were lucky enough to create your environment map, then the OS would finally launch. The OS interface looked like a holographic bookshelf, each shelf with floating orbs representing a variety of spatial apps. But upon launch, exactly where this holographic shelf appeared in space was anyone's guess. For some, it was down on the floor. For others, it was off in the distant horizon or behind them. The next 10 minutes, we collectively embarked on a holographic treasure hunt at our desks, searching up, down, and all around for our app launcher. My holographic shelf was above me, anchored to the ceiling. Now, the primary way to interact with these holograms was with your hands. You had to reach out and grab them but doing so was quite the art. It required your hand being in the perfect spot at just the right proximity to the hologram. When you found that magic zone, a circle would appear. Then and only then could you close your hand and grab the hologram. The camera on the headset had to see a very distinct gesture, a wide open hand and then a distinctively closed fist. When the camera saw this movement, the circle UI would become a dot, confirming the hologram was secured. This led to yet another comical sight, an entire office of people waving their hands in the air, trying to materialize that circle. Everyone was flailing about, groping the air and repeatedly trying to turn that circle into a dot. We became a horde of perverts molesting invisible objects of desire. I stood up and reached longly into the air from my holographic shelf, only to be immediately yanked back into my chair by the tether. Screw it. 
I resorted to using the mouse we so vehemently vowed to replace. It was a fallback form of input, controlling a spatial cursor that allowed me to click on the 3D shelf and pull it closer. Finally, I could start pulling little apps and experiences, placing them all around me at my desk. For a split second, I was living in the future. There were virtual monitors showcasing the future of productivity with PowerPoint, web browsing, and spreadsheets. But I could barely read the text. It was blurry and the eye strain was very real. There was a beating heart for the future of education. There was a virtual jukebox to showcase our attempt at spatial audio. There was a 3D model of a Tesla hinting at the future of immersive design or 3D e-commerce. And my personal favorite, a box with an image of a butterfly. When you touched it, the box exploded into a cloud of 3D butterflies fluttering vigorously this way and that. When you held your hand out, they would come land and gently rest on it. For many, the mind would play tricks. You could feel the tickle of the butterfly's little legs as it landed on your hand. This, this to me is the magic of spatial computing, mind merging with machine, tapping into the mystery of how the brain has naturally evolved to interact with and to understand the real world. Imagine the impact of this for communication, education, collaboration, and creation. We were passionately driven by this potential. We were mission-obsessed and mission-bound. But that moment in the future was very short-lived. After a few minutes, nausea set in from the motion-to-photon latency, aka the time between head movement and the display's output or reaction. Then the virtual shelf suddenly started to jitter and float away, carrying with it our collective hopes and dreams. Alas, my headset lost world tracking entirely, and holographic chaos ensued. Before I knew it, holograms were flying all over the place. A virtual heart shot past my head, the virtual monitor turned upside down and shot through my desk, and the 3D shelf, or OSUI, zoomed right back up to its original home, the ceiling. Next to me sat my sales colleague and dear friend, Connor McGill. We looked at each other, let out massive sighs, and just laughed. What else could we do? We spent the last 18 months traveling the world, from LA to New York City, Shanghai to London, Amsterdam to Rome, giving thousands of demos and convincing the world's largest companies that spatial computing was the future and that it was imminent with the Meta too. Nike and Adidas, Lockheed Martin and Boeing, ExxonMobil and Shell, Ford and Tesla, Disney and Universal theme parks, Dell and Lenovo, the list goes on. This was going to make for some awkward conversations. Welp, at least we had good packaging. All right, back to the present. When the Apple Vision Pro presentation ended, I was in awe. They seemed to have absolutely nailed it. The display quality, near perfection, making it seem like you're viewing the world through a pane of glass. The pixel density, mind-blowing, making text perfectly legible at last. The innovation with the R1 chip, a sci-fi feat, processing data from 12 cameras to produce zero perceived latency and making nausea a thing of the past. And the world tracking, immediate and flawless, anchoring holograms perfectly and elevating them to first-class citizens stuck where they should be in the real world. And then the input and interaction was pure magic, creating the illusion of mind control with the perfect tandem of eye and hands tracking. The list goes on. They seem to have thought of every little detail and thoughtfully addressed the majority of paper cuts that have plagued ARVR for decades. When I left the viewing party that day, I half expected there to be a spatial computing parade in the streets. The tech we've all been waiting for was finally here, a cause worth celebrating, for sure. Heck, I was ready to take the day off and paint the town red, and that's exactly what a few of us did. 
But when I integrated back into the real world the next day, my enthusiasm wasn't quite the norm. The first friend I talked to about the announcement said, it made me want to put my feet in the grass and hide in the woods. Okay, considering some of the concept videos, I get it, which we'll address later. And then there were the mainstream media pundits spewing all kinds of nonsense, saying Apple has lost its way, or this product will never sell, or no one needs this. As the weeks went by, the criticism kept pouring in. It's too expensive. What is this good for? People won't wear something on their face. It's too isolating. The digital eyes are creepy. Only a two-hour battery life? When I first heard these critiques, my blood boiled. I couldn't help but think, what the hell is wrong with these people? How can they not see what I see? Do they not get the magnitude of these technical feats and this product's potential impact? With my emotions at the helm, I realized I needed to take a step back, think objectively, and question my beliefs. Turns out, inherent career bias is a hell of a drug. So why was I so triggered? Am I the crazy one here? Or is everyone else missing it, and my bullishness is indeed warranted? Over the last month, I've done the inner work to remove my XR fanboy cap and think more deeply about Apple's strategy, along with the importance of this moment. With my bias officially on the shelf, I remain convinced the pundits are wildly wrong. Consumers don't know what they don't know, and this moment truly does matter indeed. And turns out I'm not alone. While I've not tried the device myself, I have listened and talked to those who have. Upon hearing their feedback, I feel a bit less crazy. My initial perceptions and instincts seem to hold true. The best part? Their favorite moment of the Vision Pro demo is a holographic butterfly that lands on their hand. They too could feel the tickle of its legs. Sidebar, a coincidence? I think not. Apple hired many of Meta's, OG Meta's, top engineers upon failure, including the ones who built that original office rehearsal demo with our own butterflies. Now, before exploring the impact of this moment, why Apple's strategy is the right one and why you should care, come with me back in time once more to a moment chock full of lessons and predictions of what's to come. General magic. They say history doesn't repeat, but it certainly rhymes. The meta journey is a reflection of a similar story with a similar outcome for an eerily similar company, General Magic. If you like documentaries, this documentary about General Magic is a must watch, even if tech and business is not your thing. It's just a compelling story of ambition and courage, of how to blaze new trails, and of how to cope with heartbreak and shattered dreams. If you're unfamiliar, General Magic attempted to create the iPhone back in 1989-1990. The vision and the use cases were exactly the same. A personal computer in your pocket acting as a remote control for your life. The team was perfect, the vision was prophetic, and much of the technology existed. But the timing was wrong and the tech couldn't yet merge to make the whole greater than the sum of its parts. While the individual pieces were there, they weren't mature enough to yield a compelling user experience. A lot of technology still needed to be invented. There were numerous UI UX rough edges to be smoothed over, very similar to the Meta 2 headset. There also wasn't a fertile ecosystem. The internet wasn't ubiquitous, telco connectivity wasn't mature, and mobile developers didn't really exist yet. There were very few builders and businesses with properly primed imaginations or business models. Perhaps most important, consumer behavior wasn't properly evolved. They didn't see the point. The use cases didn't quite click and people weren't quite sure what this thing was good for. The whole thing just seemed kind of silly. Sadly, the General Magic dream came to an end in 2002. 
Fast forward to June 29th, 2007, five years after General Magic shut down. Apple launches the iPhone and changes the world. Apple was watching, studying, and learning from General Magic all along. They even hired some of their best, most talented employees, for example, Tony Fidel. They had blueprints and prototypes all along the way, but it took 17 years to get the technology just right. Polishing, testing, debating. And boy, did they nail it. In hindsight, it's easy to say the iPhone's future impact was obvious when it launched. But was it? Sure, it launched with some killer apps, calls, email, messaging, web browsing, and music. But these things weren't entirely new. It was things we were already doing, just better on multiple vectors. Very few people, if any, saw the App Store coming and all the innovation that would follow. Fast forward to 2023, also five years after Meta closed its doors. And Apple uses the exact same playbook. For 10 to 15 years, they were watching, learning, iterating, polishing, and debating, and polishing some more. Apple then launches the Vision Pro and changes, well, it depends who you ask. To most, its impact is far from obvious. And so the stage is set for perhaps a similar story, albeit with obvious differences. This is a bit more dramatic than going from a flip phone to a touchscreen. We're now breaking through the screen and entering the machine. Of course, the trade-offs, rollout plan, and adoption cycle must be radically different. In part two, we'll explore those differences and analyze Apple's strategy, diving deeper into the trade-offs, why the skeptics are wrong, and how this adoption curve might unfold over the next three to five years. Until then. As always, thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode. If you enjoyed, please do subscribe via your favorite podcast platform. We have a lot more to come. If you're willing to spare 15 seconds, we would beyond appreciate a quick rating on this podcast. It goes a very long way towards helping this thing grow. Thanks again, and until next time.